Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. The word I saw on my timeline was mercifully. I kept seeing the season ends mercifully for Carolina Panthers fans as they finish with just a two-win season. And what we'll discuss a lot about today, Wes, possibly being the worst season in franchise history, certainly compared to the expectations coming in. Yes. How about two shutouts to end the season after we thought we might end on a bright note against the Packers, Bryce Young finally coming into his own. You have a game where he leads a game winning drive and then against Green Bay, you were just a second away from possibly tying that with a game-tying field goal, but the football does not hit the ground in time in order to prolong that contest. And then the next two games, you come up with a goose egg and back-to-back contest, the first time that we've seen that since the Cleveland Browns did it in 2008. And so just when they're giving you a little bit of hope, they end with two shutouts. Wes, Fitty, you guys would be happy for me. I was watching Dark Knight over the weekend and Dark Knight Rises. I was watching both of those movies. Girlfriend, not a huge fan, actually fell asleep in theaters for Dark Knight. Mm. Yeah, that's a crazy one, right? Like, I I know, for sure. Oh, got to talk. Y'all probably do. I've tried. I've tried. She likes it. Not a huge fan, Uh which, you know, it's a problem, right? We'll, We'll try to talk it out. But watching both of these movies... It makes me realize, man, when you, especially in Dark Knight Rises, Mm -hmm. when Christian Bale, when Batman is in the pit, when he's in the prison, the thing about the prison that makes it so hard is that there's just a little bit of hope, right? Like you see the sunlight (laughs) come down and brighten up the depths, and then you try to escape, but you end up falling, and if the rope doesn't snap your back in half, and then you live to fight another day, but you're injured. (laughs) You're certainly, you're, you're injured and you're hurting. That's what Bryce Young and the Panthers did in that Green Bay game. We got some hope. Very and then they said, done. psych, psych, two shutouts in a row. They did the chant, of, uh, 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 And then Bryce got up on the thing, get ready to jump across, and it just didn't happen for him. And then and then it's a long fall for like long three, four fall. seconds, and then boom, yep. that rope yeah, snaps. Yeah, nice parallel. I'm just saying that, that was nicely done. Well, look, Green Bay, that that was that was the hope. The Green Bay game was the light that shined into the depths of the prison that is known as hell on earth. And then <laughs> you have the depths come back where you just don't score a single point. Scott Fitterer is fired as the general manager. He is that no longer for the Carolina Panthers as he was let go early this morning. Mac and Bone even got to talk about it. Usually they don't they don't get to break news. But we've got a lot of things to talk about going forward here, Wes, and so we might as well start it now. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your comments on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. Tell us how you're feeling today. We have the Pulse of Panther Nation, too. When we take the Pulse of Panther Nation, we let you all call in. 
That's going to be at 145. So it's still a while to go, but we're going to take your calls at 145. Just want to get that out there in case you really want to be heard on the airwaves today, especially in the midday. We'll be doing that at 145. Until then, you'll have to hear us talk about it. Let's pull up to the scene. Mr. Bus Driver, Baby Fitty, who's like now the only Fitty in town. We got a conversation there. Let's pull up to the scene. I'm get sure that's how he likes it. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! Scott Fitter ends up being fired here, Wes. And Austin Corbett, right guard, who was injured at the end of last season, came back for just a couple games here, but then got hurt again, did not play all that much. Here's one of the players on the firing of Scott Fitterer and Dan Morgan possibly filling in to go forward. Scott was incredible for him to you know, reach out and look at me in free agency and everything he did. Um, truly, truly respect Scott. Awesome, awesome guy. And wait and see. You know, uh, Dan obviously just filling that role right now, I guess. Um, and then we'll, we'll see how quickly that whole process gets taken care of. But just, obviously it wasn't working, right? 2-15, not good. Nobody has done that before. Uh, so let's not do that again and get things figured out. I think Austin's analysis there might be the analysis of a lot of people. Maybe some are a little happier that Scott Fitterer is out of a job. Nice guy. Actually, throughout the entire time that he's been here, you've had to go from the Matt Rule regime to Frank Reich, from Steve Wilkes to whoever, Chris Tabor. Like, there's been so many different coaches the last couple of years. But now having, you know, Scott Fitterer going up to the podium, he always sounded like a professional. We didn't ever had any problems with him speaking to the media. The only problem that we had with him was Scott Fitterer saying that you had to drop a QB and onto this roster and then everything would be great. Or then we would start to be a winning football team. But it didn't necessarily happen that way. And so, as Austin Corbett said, it's about time you move on. Now, I, I'm very distracted here. I, it's to the point where I want to go to U.S., but Fiddy is dying back there. And I don't know why he's yeah, laughing. Yeah, we got to know. Why are you laughing so hard this entire time after the Corbett soundbite? You heard the entire soundbite, right? Tell us what we might have missed. Uh, Did you not hear that noise in the background? It's Black Monday. People are out here getting fired, losing their jobs. They got to relocate their families. And they're playing freaking ping pong. Are you kidding me? There are many people pointing out the ping pong. Look, maybe I'm over exaggerating. Maybe I'm overreacting. You want to talk about a losing culture. That's evidence of a losing culture. This is a really hard day for a lot of people here with this organization and around the NFL. And these players that are going to be the result of all these dudes getting fired, they don't give a damn. They're just sitting back there cleaning up their 17 items in the locker room playing ping pong. I don't know who the next head coach is going to be, who the next GM is going to be. There better not be a damn ping pong table in the locker room in 2024. Well, one thing I will say is that a lot of coaches and organizations, they put games around a facility because they want competition going on at all times. They want guys competing all the time. But also, why should the players care? They don't care about them. They'll cut a player at a moment's notice if they're not performing up to snuff. And so why should they care about who's getting fired and things of that nature? When they cut a player, they don't say, hey, how's your wife and kids going to eat? 
are, are you guys going to be all right? They're not worried about that, so I wouldn't be worried either. If you got a PlayStation in there and you got NCAA 25, whatever year it comes out, and somebody starts popping off in the locker room, I don't care what's going on. Let's get the sticks and get to going. Yeah, so but, I don't have any issue with it. Let me, all right, all right what, what, let's, you, you were in a locker room. Let's just say, you know, you, you were 4-8 and eight at Wake Forest. Okay. And y'all are doing your, happen. you know, your end of season stuff, and uh-huh. you're sitting there meeting with the media, mm-hmm. and some slappy that was a big reason why you were four and eight was sitting there playing ping pong. Would you not feel some type of way? Well, if it was a trash player or, or, or some garbage players doing it, then yeah, I might say something. But if there's some cats in there, you know, that uh, are of the the proper ilk in there in there playing I'm not gonna say anything but yeah I mean I guess you got a point there depending on who is playing if it, if it's two idiots that just don't get it and aren't good football players then yeah I may say something but if it's you know a couple of big dogs or hell even mid sized dogs I don't have a problem with it I did not expect ping pong to take over the first segment oh, they're lighting it up on of a postseason yeah. <laughs> show the one right after the season ends but Scott Fitter are no longer here with the Carolina Panthers was there an argument to keep him, Wes, or was it clearly the right decision that you had to move on from somebody that had been there across a couple of different regimes and yet not a part of any kind of winning football? Nah, man, you gotta go. Like, you know, that's just the bottom line of your job. When you get in there as the general manager, your job is to get the players in there that's gonna help you win games. He was 14 and 37 during his tenure, the worst record of any GM during the time that he had that job. So no, it's a bottom line business. You didn't select, you didn't sign good enough players to get the Panthers on a winning track. Got to get you out of here. I thought Scott Fitterer being fired was the the right move. Like, I mean, you just need to move on. Exactly what uh, what Austin Corbett was talking about. Because you can't point to anything with Scott Fitterer and say, okay, that was a home run. That's something that Scott Fitterer just knocked out of the park. I mean, there's not much that, at all that you can point to. And so I defended Scott a lot during the Matt Rule era. When Matt Rule had overriding authority, when you have that kind of power, you also get that kind of blame that comes with that power. Yes. So he did get that blame eventually after he was fired five games into last season, and it became Scott's team. When you can't definitively point to one move, though, and then say, man, Scott just absolutely found something that no other NFL team could with this particular signing or with this particular draft pick. There's nothing like that. Frankie Luva was the only one that I can think of, and that's a legitimately very good signing. $1.1 million contract that he comes over on, and now he's going to get a pretty decent-sized linebacker contract. Going to be a really valued player from a, from anybody. Anybody would like to have Frankie Luva in their organization. But that's about it. Even J.C. Horn, a first-round pick that you kind of hit on talent evaluation-wise. I think you hit on him talent evaluation-wise. Sure. But even now, J.C. Horn can't stay on the field. So you're only hit with a big impact like J.C. Horn provides when he's on the field. Isn't on the field all that much. How many starts does he have in three seasons? It's 21-22, something like that. That's ridiculous. And then the other hits, quote-unquote, it might be Tommy Trimble. It might be Brady Christensen. It might have been Terrace Marshall, but now that's not even a hit. He's not even going to be with Carolina, whoever the head coach is next year. Where do you point to? Stephon Gilmore was good. I'd make that trade 10 times out of 10, even if he leaves. But you didn't re- you didn't retain him, so that was a miss. You bring in Hassan Reddick, but then you let him go, and so that was kind of a hit and a miss. 
Like even your hits have like caveats with yeah. the West. Yeah. And that's the problem. That's the that's why even if it was Matt Rule, like it's hard to decipher which one were the Scott Fitterer driven moves. Man, you know that especially moving all up and down the draft board during draft time. He's trading. He's in on every deal. That's still a lot of what he was doing. And then Matt Rule might sign off on some of the moves that Fitterer brought to the table. But Fitterer had to be had to be out of the organization. And now we'll see who they hire as general manager and head coach. And to piggyback off your last comments, too, you know, his high, high-valued picks as far as where they were in a draft are looking like they're not working out. Uh, Bryce Young in the short term, even though we still will have plenty of patience for him. And then Ike Aquano is another guy when you have two top five picks that look like they're not uh, the guys that you thought that they were going to be. And Bryce Young, like I said, a little bit more of uh, grace with him. But yeah, so for Scott Fitterer, it's just not looking good all the way around. Yeah, Scott Fitterer out as Panthers GM. They will be hiring a new general manager. David Tepper will be hiring a new head coach. Who are those candidates? We'll break it all down as the show goes on. And is there an answer as to who they should hire first? A GM, a head coach, bring in both at the same time? We'll break it all down on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Asking if it's worst case scenario that we just saw in 2023. And I direct you to Matt Miller's tweet at NFL Draft Scout says, quote, the Panthers don't have a first round pick. Three best players are free agents need to overhaul wide receiver and offensive line rooms. And they fired their head coach and GM. Good luck mm. in 2024. Yeah, it doesn't look so great right now. Moves that needed to be made did happen. When they moved on from Frank Reich and they moved on from Scott Fitterer, as we just found out within the last 24 hours, but plenty of other moves need to be made. Lots of boxes to check before you start to feel any kind of good about this organization again. And you probably aren't going to feel great this offseason, Wes, until they win some games because we all thought it was a great offseason just a half a year ago. Like in this, when we go back to July and we go back to free agency and we go back to the coach hiring process, we were all feeling great. We talked about this possibly being the best offseason that we've ever seen before. Ooh, but I mean, could you be more wrong? <laughs> we couldn't. We could try. I think we'd fail at that. Could not be more wrong at how well this offseason went. 704-570-9610. Wanted to read a few text messages on the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. We were talking about some of the misses and the hits that Scott Fitterer had. I see multiple people bringing up Derek Brown. You have to remember, Marty Herney drafted Derek Brown. That was the Isaiah Simmons, Derek Brown. Up, you know, That was the 50-50 choice. 
Derek Brown is the guy that Marty Herney decided to go with. So the first first round pick that Scott Fitterer was a part of was J.C. Horn. Derek Brown was Marty Herney. That was a parting gift. Frankie Louvu, yes, that's a Scott Fitterer move. Stanson writes in, Brady Christensen was 100% ahead. He's a huge reason why the line struggled so much this year because he was out. Ah. Well, that, yeah, I, I like Brady fine. <laughs> You're going to start him and we'll see what he does. But 100% a hit would not go that far. And if you're going to say that, then you have to say J.C. Horn was 100% a hit. Because when he's on the field, he's very good. He hurts this team when he's not on the field. So under that logic, you would have to say the same thing about J.C. Horn. Now people are going into some of the other misses that Fit had. Don't forget about Fitterer not bringing back Deontay Foreman. Miles Sanders was a poor fit. Wes, even that move ended up being way worse than we considered it then. And we were iffy on this one. When they gave Miles Sanders the $7 million a year or whatever that he got, we all said, would you rather just keep Deontay Foreman anyway? Like, Sanders is a good back. He had a really good year with the Eagles, but uh, okay, probably just would rather keep Deontay Foreman. Foreman had a better year this year in Chicago. When there were other running backs that were ahead of him, Deontay fills in on an injury basis, but Deontay was better this season on that contract. I think he was making something guaranteed like in the 100s of thousands. I don't even think he met the 1 million threshold. So that move, we were all right about. We even have hindsight. We predicted it. And then it turned out even worse than we thought. 704 brings a good one. I'll toss it to you on this one, Wes. 704 says, I would have fired Scott Fitterer over the Brian Burns mess. Would make that trade in a second. Fitty was all over it at the time. Baby Fitty. Now we got to change it. (laughs) <laughs> baby fitty here at Wesson Walker, the great dynamic producer. He was all over it. I was iffy. I was sitting the fence. I was scared. I didn't know what opinion I had. Either one would have made sense to me, but especially the way things have played out Wes. Now you look back at it and say, whew, buddy, they missed out big time on not trading. How do you view the Brian Burns situation as to what we see right now? Um, No, I, at the time it made sense to me when you have a young pass rusher, like I said, that's a coveted premium position. You have bet. You had and still have one of the best young players at that position. That's hard to replace. Why do you think so many people draft edge rushes at the top of the draft and the first round of the draft every year? So there was no guarantee that those two first round picks that you were going to hit on were going to be great. I mean, just look at the predicament you're in now. There's still questions about Bryce Young that need to be answered. We didn't get enough flashes. I'll admit that. Not enough flashes there. And Iki Aquano. Those are two top five picks right there picking as high as you can in the draft. And those two guys right now, the jury's out on both. So there's no guarantee you're going to hit on those two first-round picks. A lot of people, I think, you know, I know that the NFL has their value system and the points ranking with different draft picks in different places. But when you have a young pass rusher, such as Brian Burns, uh, you know, that was at that time last year, finished with 12 and a half sacks, 17 tackles for losses. No, you, you don't give that up that easily because you're going to be chasing your tail doing that. You're going to be trying to go through the draft and find another guy. And it may be two, three, four years before you can find uh, another pass rush. Now, yes, hindsight is twenty twenty with what we've seen uh, Brian Burns and the numbers that he's put up this year. And we're definitely going to get into the fact of him talking about the scared to get hurt comments and things of that nature because he wants that contract. And who knows, maybe if he would have gotten a deal done, it would have been a much better year for him statistically. We'll debate that uh, a little bit later. But no, at the time, you know, first round picks to me, like I said, it's a crapshoot, especially when you're talking about the pedigree of Scott Fitter and what he 
has done, did you trust what he would have done with those two first-round picks when you have a sure thing like Brian Burns has appeared to be? Yeah, and so I think that one's tough. I think now you would go back and make that move. I think for me, it's pretty easy, at least knowing what we know now. But to your point, Wes, we didn't know then, right? right. Like we have no clue. Because Brian Burns was ascending yeah. at that point with the type of year he was having. And and still, I think there's really good football for ahead of Brian Burns. But yeah. we also got the quote after the game yesterday. I don't know if you saw this. Mm-hmm. Brian Burns speaking to media afterwards saying, you know, I don't want to say that I allowed my previous or I allowed injury fear to set in as much and me not play as hard. I, I left it all out there on the field, but Brian Burns did tell you that in the back of his mind, he, you know, he's only human and he did worry about getting injured and that affecting his next contract, which people were, you know, raising an eyebrow at him like, Ooh, that's, it's not a great admission from your star edge rusher who I think underperformed to a certain extent. He wasn't bad. He just wasn't $30 million a year good this yeah. season. And so that admission was, it took people by surprise. Fiddy, you got, what do you got over there? I'm just going to read right what I've said from the beginning. The problem when you traded him, when you, when you decided not to trade him, Scott Fitterer said he's a part of our future. He's a core member. We're going to sign him to a long-term extension. Now you fast forward 14, 15 months later, you failed to do that. And I think you're in a position now where if you want to have a first-round pick in this upcoming draft, you're probably trading him away, probably going to franchise tag him and then trade him. But you know you're not getting two first and a third round pick for him anymore. And so that I think that was the problem. Every time Fitterer tried to be aggressive, it bit him in the butt. Look at all the draft collateral you traded away for Matt Corral, you know DJ Johnson. These guys that are, are, are maybe won't be in the league in two to three years. And the one time you should have been aggressive trading away a player you weren't, and now you don't have the draft collateral to make up for all your other mistakes. Scott Fitterer treated some of these drafts like I treat my fantasy football draft, which I like to think I'm a pretty good fantasy football player. Don't get it twisted. I'll wreck you, man. I'm good. <laughs> but he also it also felt like he wanted to get his guy, and it didn't matter if he was selecting in a space where we didn't expect those players to go. Remember, even Jonathan Mingo... Not too many people had him going at number 39. A little bit of a reach there. I was surprised to see him go that high, but he was ascending. I just didn't think he would go, like, what, seven picks away from being a first-round selection. DJ Johnson, certainly one that was really surprising. We knew that they liked him, but I didn't know that they were, oh, we're going to trade up in the third round. They could have chilled. That's what we thought. They could have just hanged tight, hung tight, and said, we'll take him when he comes around back to us. But no, we wanted to go get him so badly, we were willing to give up another asset to go select this player who's 25 years old, but also raw, didn't have a lot of production at Oregon. And now you're talking about a 26-year-old second-year player that he's going to come around at some point. Man, that guy is the same age as Brian Burns. (laughs) We're trying to wait on him be the guy opposite of Brian Burns? No, I, that doesn't seem like a good pick anymore, and it didn't seem like a good pick then. Here's another good text I wanted to get to, Wes. 704 says, a total reset was needed in 2019, and it didn't happen. They are paying the price now. A reset is now here. Time to build around the young QB, hire the right GM, let the next generation of Panthers football come into sight. Could not agree anymore with that text. How many times have we mentioned the point? Tepper was alternating different positions of firing them. We'll fire the coach. Now we're going to fire the GM. Now we're going to fire the coach. Now we're going to fire the GM. This is the first time, Wes, where you fired both going into an offseason. 
Now, you still have this weird Dan Morgan thing hanging around. Dan Morgan could be somebody that might be the permanent GM. He might be the guy that just helps with the transition, which seems a little weird. Hey, Dan, we're going to keep you. You want to stick around just for a year, teach everybody the job, and then maybe go somewhere else. That paycheck is nice enough for you to probably sign off on that. But I don't know what Dan is thinking about that. He's certainly going to be in the mix. At least you have moved on from both positions at the same time. And I totally agree that you needed it when you moved on from Ron Rivera the first time. You needed to fire both guys and then hire a GM, let that GM hire the head coach. And that's why I think that's the order of what you need to do now. Go find your GM, hire him, then let the GM and his front office hire whoever they want to hire as the head coach and then start to build from there. But Wes, at least they cleaned house altogether instead of trying to hold on from the previous regime, which has never worked. Yeah, and I think that it's obviously an awful reason why you have to get rid of these people, but I think it brings at least some hope or at least some some mystery because you want to know who they're going to hire, what's going to happen uh, from this point going forward. And so I do agree with your method of how they should do this thing as far as getting a GM and then finding the correct head coach. But it doesn't seem like that we're there, especially if they can get Ben Johnson, because I think that they already have targeted who they want as the head coach. And so that's going to be the interesting part. So I think I wonder will the process, will they call Ben Johnson or when they interview him, will they ask him his thoughts on the GM position and what and what it should be? Because I feel like they have their number one guy targeted. And if he's receptive to Carolina's overtures, then I think that that's going to complicate things as far as your order in which you feel like that they should do things. So we both agree that there should be a general manager hired first yes. and then allowing that guy to go find his head coach and the coaching staff. The GM, now we start to look there. It, it's easier to go with the coaching candidates. We've talked about Ben Johnson a lot. Frank Smith has been brought up quite a bit. Jim Harbaugh we'll get to here in a second as well. But if we need to go chronologically, then let's talk about some of the GM candidates here. Wes, are there any candidates out there that you would like the Panthers to look at and how much should Dan Morgan be a part of the mix still being here? You don't completely clean house, but you do get rid of the top guys in each of their categories with Scott Fitterer being gone. Frank Reich being gone. Should Dan Morgan be in the mix as well? Um, So obviously Dan Morgan was one of my favorite Panthers and I loved him a lot in college. And I don't know if I'm getting caught up in the shield and the, the, the neck roll and watching him play at Miami and how sweet he looked out there and what a baller he was and in the NFL as well. And maybe that's got a little bit of me uh, being wanting him in that role. But then when I started reading, you know, I started really thinking about his connections to Fitterer and different things like that. And sometimes I feel like if you're going to get away from the old regime, you need to get away from it entirely. And so, you know, he's going to operate somewhat on the same type of level that Fitterer did because that's his guy. He worked closely under him. I'm sure he learned a lot. He's got a lot of great experience as a scout. But when I go outside of that, well, you know, as much as I don't like for my team to have people poached, but Adam Peters, the 49ers assistant GM, he interviewed for Carolina's job in 2021, but he got passed over for Scott Fitterer. But he's worked in NFL personnel departments for 21 seasons. But the pedigree, though, he started with the Patriots in 2003. He joined the Denver Broncos. The year they went to the Super Bowl and won uh, over these same Carolina Panthers. Uh, then he's been with San Francisco for seven seasons. 
uh, and worked as the assistant GM for the past three. So I think that, you know, when you take guys from winning organizations and well put together rosters, I think that that's hard to uh, deny that. And then when you look at a guy like Nick Mateo uh, of the Ravens, their vice president of football administration, uh, we know what the Ravens represent. We know that coming from guys like Ozzie Newsom and Eric DaCosta, what type of, um, you know, what type of guys that he's learning from there. The, the, the Ravens are as solid as they come as far as personnel decisions, how they operate, how they do things. They didn't necessarily like how they did Lamar when they were trying to uh, get him signed. But other than that, uh, you know, they said that Mateo is in charge of negotiating contracts, managing the salary cap. So all the things you want a GM to do, but I like the organizations that they've come from and some of the products that those organizations have represented and roster configurations. So those would be two guys that I would look at uh, outside of Dan Morgan because I just feel like sometimes if you want to clean house and really make a pivot, then you just need to get rid of everybody that was tied to the previous regime. You know, we see this a lot, though. I I think that's the idea most people would go with. Hey, we got to clean house. Just get rid of everything. Don't allow anything from the previous regime to stay alive in the organization as we move forward. But you do see some pretty major differences every once in a while when you have a new OC takeover, when you have a new head coach takeover, or maybe even a new GM. And Wes, this organization has seen so much talent walk out of Bank of America and go experience success elsewhere. And you even have one in a similar situation where Brandon Bean moves on. And Brandon Bean goes and has a successful career with the Buffalo Bills after he was hired in 2017. And you let that guy out of the organization after hiring Marty Herney the second time. Marty Herney gets fired. And then you keep Scott Fitter. You go after him. And so that was somebody new, but Bean was here since 1998 until he moved on. And then he goes and builds a perennial playoff contender with the Buffalo Bills. Now, they've had some draft misses. It's not perfect with what Bean's done up there, but it's a hell of an overhaul, what he was able to achieve with the Buffalo organization. Does Dan Morgan bring enough of something different than what Scott Fitterer did to justify keeping him around as the head honcho? Like, where is Brand, Where is Dan Morgan's Mario Addison? Because that was one of the things that, okay, Bean did a great job of identifying talent that nobody else would look, where where nobody else would look. Mario Addison was one of them. Off of a practice squad, you uh, promote him to the active roster, and boom, here's somebody that's flirting with 10 sacks every season. Like, does Dan Morgan have any of those influences? And if he does, are they important enough to warrant a real consideration as the next GM? We saw Dan Orlovsky, I think, respond to, maybe it was Joe Person, somebody on Twitter, Dan Morgan, going to be a superstar in the front office at some point. Hadn't happened yet, but he's going to be a superstar. I don't know what Dan Orlovsky knows. We do know that there was a little interest in hiring Orlovsky a while back, like to be on the offensive staff when they were putting together this all-star group. Orlovsky was in consideration, so maybe he does have ties. I don't know. But that's why, like, even if I understand completely why everybody just wants to get rid of any remblance, any anything of what happened this past regime, sometimes you let some pretty good stuff out. And maybe Dan Morgan would be that guy. They're going to have to figure out if he made enough decisions that provided a positive impact to warrant keeping him as the permanent dude. Yeah, and I see on a text line, too, Debo Ron presents an interesting candidate. He says Lewis Riddick 
for GM. Um, I think he would do a fine job as well. I think he'd be a great candidate. I don't know if he's on their radar, but I like him enough on TV. The the one thing like I've always seen from Lewis Riddick, it it feels like he's a little too uh, laissez faire with picks. At least I. That's just stuff I've seen from his analysis. Because mm-hmm. this is what we have to go off of if you go the TV route, yeah. which people have done. San Francisco goes John Lynch. Raiders, they go Mike Mayock. It worked out with Lynch. It didn't work out with Mayock. But you've seen TV as a platform for some of these teams to hear their analysis constantly and then decide, you know what? I'm going to go after him. Let's just go back to Orlovsky. Orlovsky was in the NFL for a long time, hits the TV platform, and then also gets some interest. Even Orlovsky's talked about Besides the Panthers, other teams being interested. So Lewis Riddick has been in those conversations before, but what we can go off of based off their analysis, like we were a little too laissez-faire with draft picks with this past regime with Scott Fitterer's trade. So I don't know, but we'd have to look a lot more into it and maybe that would be a good decision. Lots of candidates. Charlotte Observer Mike K put out a really good article on some of the candidates that could be considered, and we can break that down as we move on. But we got to go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline next break. Gabe McDonald, you can find him on Charlotte Sports Live, a part of Queen City News Charlotte Sports coverage. He joins us on the other side. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Panther season is over. So is Scott Fitterer's tenure. We're trying to fix it. We're trying to figure out how it all went wrong, what we can do moving forward, and then try to figure out if there's any way we can trust David Tepper to figure it all out as well. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate you joining us, and we appreciate Gabe McDonald, who you can find on Twitter, at Gabe McDonald underscore. You can also see his great coverage on Charlotte Sports Live, a part of Queen City News, and he joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline to recap what was a really tough year. Gabe, we appreciate the time, man. How are you? Hey, appreciate you guys uh, having me, man. I'm doing fine. It's um, you know, pretty uh, a pretty somber day here in the Carolinas. Just wrapped up with the locker cleanout day, and uh, it's 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 kind of a weird feeling that the season's over. But I think if you're a fan, you're probably feeling pretty good that this is behind you. Are you ready to transition from two win football teams to eight win basketball teams? Absolutely. And there's plenty <laughs> of NASCAR, plenty of NASCAR coverage as well to throw in there. So it's you know. Obviously, Charlotte sports, it's uh, it's a pretty tumultuous time right now. A lot of news coming out, uh, even with the Charlotte Knights as well. So there's never a slow day here, but we also got uh, a lot of NASCAR coverage coming up as well as far as what we do at uh, Queen City News. So that's always a good time to uh, get down to Daytona in about a month. All right, make sure you follow him again. Twitter, 
at Gabe McDonald underscore. Let's focus on the Panthers here after a rough season ending yesterday, losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and having their second straight shutout to end the season. We have a topic coming up in a few moments here, Gabe, like the biggest surprises of this year. What were you so surprised to see go wrong? Like something that you expected to work out for this season that it just didn't. There are plenty to choose from, but what's something that comes to the forefront of your mind? Honestly, I really thought we were going to see Jeremy Chin a lot more in this new scheme. Every, we were talking a lot in the preseason, in the offseason. He's going to be the chess piece, the guy that's moved around a lot, that can do a lot of different things. Maybe we see him more inside the box like we did his rookie year. Definitely wasn't the case. I think he only played in about 40% of snaps this season after playing in well over 90% his first three years, primarily a special teamer this year. And that's one thing that I thought we were going to see him we thought this defense was going to bring the best out of him, especially being in a contract year, because we all know what he can bring to the table when he's more inside the box, you know, coverage-wise, still some areas where he can improve. But I thought we were going to see him really get back, return to form like he did as a rookie, and that's something we unfortunately didn't see, and it probably means his time here in Carolina is just about over as well. So I'd say that's probably the biggest surprise. But like you mentioned, there are a lot to choose from. But that, for me, is the one that stands out the most. Gabe McDonald joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on X at Gabe McDonald underscore. And so, Gabe, when you look at Bryce Young and the season that he had, what were your expectations coming in as opposed to what eventually happened? I thought we were going to see him play. I thought we were going to see him play a little bit more freely. I think there were some times, especially earlier in the season, where he was still maybe trying to press too much, maybe being a little timid, having some happy feet in the pocket. There was a really a bit of a time where he was developing some bad habits as well. I think the Colts game, the Cowboys game really comes to mind. We did see some growth after that and a little bit before then, but just not the kind of rookie year we all envisioned for him. And now, of course, we all know not all of it is on him, but I think he did have some bad habits, developed a few towards the middle of the year, got a little bit better towards the end. But I think these last two weeks, Having shutouts, definitely not the way you want to end your rookie year. But I think if you're Bryce, you got to flush this one. A lot of people are like kind of giving some positive uh, feedback on him. He's going to remember this year and look back and say it was the best thing that happened to him. I think you should just take some time now, chill, relax, get away from the game. There were some moments of growth, but you would like to see a little bit more heading into the offseason. So, Gabe, since Fitterer was fired today, when you talk about general managers, how do you view this job? Do you think that it is the most daunting, the most challenging of them all, or do you feel like it has the most potential? I think it's it's a challenging job. I mean, first off, you have to look at who you're going to be reporting to. We all know David Tepper is not the most patient owner, and you got to think about just how much turnover there has been since he's taken over the team, since he bought the team. And I think it's and also, you got to figure out this team, worst record in the league, you don't own a first-round pick. The first pick you would have at the moment is 33rd overall. So I don't know if it's the most attractive job to a candidate because you got to think about you're going into a roster that's in pretty bad shape. You don't have a first-round pick next year. You know, you're working for an owner who obviously has in the, been in the news for a lot of the wrong reasons. I don't know if it's that desirable of a job. I think one thing that could change that it's if you had a first-round pick, we'll see what kind of moves they make. But right now, I don't think it's the most desirable one out there. And then, Gabe, I'll ask you, too, off of that, do you feel like Bryce Young could be a potential drawback? Because we know how a lot of coaches and GMs get caught up in prototypical size and things of that nature. Do you feel like that Bryce Young himself could be a drawback for the quote-unquote perfect candidate? 
I don't believe so. I think because you still have a guy that obviously you made that move to get him. You kind of have to ride with him at this point. And I still think that he's going to have a successful career in this league. You just have to be able to build around him. And I think that's probably one thing that could be enticing is a general manager coming in. You could have, you know, you have your free reign. You can kind of pick and pluck who you want to be in there. I still think Bryce is going to have a successful career in this league. A lot of people in the building think so. So I wouldn't say it's a drawback. Of course, like you mentioned, coaches, GMs are going to want to come in and possibly have their guy. But I think if you cut the tape on for a good part of this season, you can see that he's going to have some success. A lot of, you know, just what went wrong was because of the lack of help he had around him on that side of the ball. That's the voice of Gabe McDonald joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can find his coverage on Charlotte Sports Live, Queen City News. Follow him on Twitter at Gabe McDonald underscore. So it's locker clean out day. Lots of players have been speaking to media here, Gabe. What's a player comment that stood out most to you? Oh, definitely the one from Hayden Hurst. I mean, he basically was very candid. Obviously, we haven't heard from him uh, in a while, given that he was on IR, but he basically said there were a little too many chefs in the kitchen on that side of the ball. Bryce Young had too many voices in his ear. And I think when you look at the staff at first with Frank Wright, with Josh McCown, even with Deuce Staley, Thomas Brown, there can be, there's, you know, a lot of alpha males in that building. There can be a lot of going back and forth. And I think that's certainly the one that stands out just hearing how candid he was from that. And then also I would say Brian Burns as well, you know, just saying that he wants to be back here in Carolina. He obviously, they didn't trade. Uh, him, we, there were reports that the Rams are going to give up two first-round picks to try and get him. They don't make that trade last year. You don't extend them. And he's like, hey, there's still some things that I want to do with my defense. I'd like to be back here. But he also mentioned with the turnover in the front office, he's like, hey, they got a lot of stuff to figure out, and he knows that he's not the top priority on their list right now. So it was good to see him just kind of keep it 100 with that. But I think definitely those two – Burns and Hayden Hurst surely stand out the most from today. Yeah, and you mentioned Brian Burns, you know, some of the comments that he had. He also talked about maybe having fear of injury in the back of his mind, not at the forefront, but at the back of his mind. After all, he's only human. What did you make of some of the injury comments that Brian Burns had talking about playing on a contract year and fearing a little bit of, hey, if I get hurt, this might affect the new contract that I'm seeking? No, they were very interesting, and I think if you can watch some of the games from this year, there were some times where you could tell, you know, maybe I'm not going to necessarily take plays off or anything, but he was a little tame. Then there were some times that he was dropping sometimes in coverage, and there were, I think after that Atlanta game, he comes out and sets the tone. We saw a bit of a drawback, and we were thinking that's the guy that you want to show up week in and week out. You know, we see him come out on fire that first quarter in Atlanta. We're like, hey, he might as well just sit on the bench the rest of the game and he'll get a contract right afterwards. Of course, that didn't happen. So I think they were very interesting comments. I think you could look at certain times this year that you could see maybe he's not going 100% on every single down. Because that's one thing you got to think. I mean, it's the business. It's the NFL. They call it not for long for a reason. you got to always be mindful of that. Because at the end of the day, you want to get your bread as well. When you feel like that you've put in the work for this team. And he was going through a lot mentally. I mean, he's been very open about that all season long how tough it was for him. But I think there were a few times where you could see him maybe dial back just a little bit throughout the year. Gabe, Carolina has three defenders, whether you talk about Luvu, Derek Brown, or uh, Brian Burns, that they're going to have to pay substantial money to. Do you feel like there's an odd man out of those three? And what do you see as far as Brian Burns and that $30 million pass rusher club? I do not see Brian Burns. 30, $30 million, I think that's 
he doesn't have thirty million dollar numbers. If we're if we're being real, if we're keeping it a whole bug, I don't know if he has thirty million dollar year numbers. Especially you look at this year, statistically the worst season of his career. I would say honestly, he would be the odd man out because you look at Frankie Louvu, the what he's done the last two years, being a leader. That man plays with his hair on fire every single game. He's a guy that you want to keep around because he's somebody that you can build around. I know he was undrafted, played with the Jets, came in as a special teamer. But the proof is in the work. He's put in the work the last two years to earn that big payday. And I know that he would want to be here in Carolina. I think he should be a priority. And, of course, we don't even need to talk too much about Derrick Brown. They need to back up the Brinks truck to his crib tonight at at ASAP because he is put in – I mean, you can't – 103 tackles as a defensive tackle, arguably the best run-stopping interior D lineman in the league right now this season. Should have been a pro bowler. He's not a first alternate. He is a pro bowl starter. I know the Pro Bowl is obviously diluted now. It's the Pro Bowl games, whatever it is. But I think Derek Brown, Frankie Louvu, those are two guys you certainly have to prioritize. I think Brian Burns, I think at this point you kind of listen to him talk. He might want a fresh start. And I think a fresh start could be good for him. So I think he's probably the odd man out of that trio. That's Gabe McDonald, sports anchor reporter for Charlotte Sports Live on Queen City News. Again, he's on Twitter at McDonald underscore, and he's on the Body Works Plus guest hotline helping us make sense of what took place with this Panthers season in 2023. Gabe, we appreciate the time, man. We'll be watching you at late night, seeing uh, what else you have to say about the Panthers. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Take it easy. All right, big thanks to Gabe once more. We'll move on, talk a little more about the college sports scene. Actually, we have a national championship game tonight. I mean, lots of Panthers focus that we have. That's what happens when you have a bad season and then see a GM out and you have a new coaching search coming up. But we will talk some national championship game tonight. Who do you think comes out on top? You can text us 704-570-9610. And another thing we're going to do is hand out some Hornets tickets for their upcoming game against the Sacramento Kings. I believe the tickets are for tomorrow night, Fiddy. Is that uh, correct? Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Thank you. Yes. Wednesday night. Go to see my boy Malik Monk, but maybe some of the other players like De'Aaron Fox, some of the other stars, DeMontis Sabonis. We'll take the third caller, 704-570-9610. If you are the third caller, you win multiple tickets to see the Hornets and the Kings on Wednesday night. One more time, third caller, 704-570-9610, and you'll be the big winner of Hornets-Kings tickets. Plenty more to get to. Wes and Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.